Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story: a surge in illegal Chinese immigrants crossing into the U.S. southern border. As concerns rise, is TikTok lending a hand? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pressuring the World Bank not to lend money to Beijing. How has the institution fueled China's position on the world stage? This year's Nobel Peace Prize nominations are out. A UK lawmaker suggesting an American nonprofit working to expose China's forced organ harvesting and crimes against humanity. The Epic Times spoke to him about his selection. And just three days before the Lunar New Year, Chinese people are struggling to stave off COVID variants. One doctor saying his province saw over 5,000 infections in a single day. The southern border seeing an over 1,000% spike in illegal Chinese crossings. How does TikTok tie into the surge? One of the fastest-growing groups crossing into the border now are illegal Chinese immigrants, and some of them have found a border gap with help from videos shared on the Chinese version of TikTok. That's according to a report from CBS. Numbers of illegal Chinese crossers are hitting a record high. Over 24,000 of them entered the country illegally last year. That's a 1,000% spike compared to the year before. And over 18,000 already came in through the border this year, as of February. Some are fleeing China's plunging economy or human rights abuses back home, but U.S. lawmakers have another concern in mind. Over 90% of illegal Chinese immigrants in 2023 are single adults. Officials argue they could engage in espionage activities. Is the PRC exploiting the crisis at our southern border for their own personal gain? I think we should assume that any vulnerabilities at our southern border are open for authoritarian influence of many kinds. I think that's a that's a safe assumption. Um, if if the gaps are there, then those who are working、uh, against us are going to use them to their advantage. The PRC or People's Republic of China is China's formal name. Many Chinese immigrants looking to illegally cross the U.S. border first fly to Ecuador because it doesn't require visas. From there, they go to Tijuana, a city in Mexico. From there, they pay smugglers a few hundred bucks for a drive to a gap in the border. That's where TikTok comes into play. The CBS reports that videos on the platform have detailed instructions for how to get to the border hole. TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. The app has become massively popular in the U.S., but has also sparked controversies. Over 30 U.S. states have banned TikTok from government-issued devices due to security and data collection concerns. While some fear the app pushes dangerous content toward children. Reasons for the surge in illegal Chinese crossings vary. For one, it's getting harder for them to get tourist visas into the U.S. That's as tensions mount between the two countries. Plus, Chinese nationals seem to have a higher chance of being granted asylum. Over half of Chinese immigrants received asylum last year. That's compared to 14 percent of those from other countries. U.S. immigration courts have asked over 36,000 Chinese to leave, but China often won't take back its citizens. 
A tough question for Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. At a hearing Tuesday, a lawmaker questioned Yellen if she would commit to increasing the capital of the World Bank, conditional on graduating China from World Bank assistance and not allowing Beijing to increase its voting power. Let me say we are strongly opposed to World Bank lending to China. We've pushed the World Bank and other MDBs to reduce and eliminate their lending volume to China. The term MDB refers to multilateral development banks. They provide financial support to developing countries. The World Bank lends money to China because it's considered a developing country, even though it's the world's second largest economy. The organization has approved over $9 billion for projects in China since 2016. Beijing is worried about U.S. tariffs and sanctions on Chinese companies. That's what its financial officials told visiting U.S. Treasury officials on Tuesday. The worries followed former President Trump's tariff proposal on Sunday to impose a 60 percent tax on Chinese goods if elected. The U.S. delegation is in Beijing for a series of trade talks. It's led by Jay Shamba, Treasury Undersecretary for International Affairs. On the discussion list, Beijing's non-market trade tactics and industrial overcapacity. Washington sees many of them as unfair practices designed to block or coerce foreign companies operating there. Zooming out, the meeting comes amid a sluggish Chinese economy, grappled with market drops, real estate woes and mounting local debt. The talks is also expected to pave the way for Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's second China visit later this year. A medical ethics advocacy group suggested for the Nobel Peace Prize. UK lawmaker Philip Hunt nominated Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting for its efforts in exposing the ongoing horrors of forced organ harvesting in communist China. He told the Epic Times that he wants to raise more awareness about Beijing's state-sanctioned crimes through the nomination. Philip Hunt also praised the group for its tremendous job in making the case for why we need to take action and at the same time upholding the medical ethics and human dignity. Founded in 2007, the group comprises medical doctors worldwide. It's been investigating and reporting on the problem for nearly two decades. It also received the nomination for 2016 Nobel Peace Prize. The group emphasizes that forced organ harvesting in China is distinct from the Western understanding of free and voluntary organ donations. Based on its investigation, it found there are many living organ donors' reservoirs in the country. Imprisoned followers of faith group Falun Gong have become the main source for those underground facilities. Falun Gong is a spiritual practice based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and forbearance. Falun Gong practitioners have been persecuted by the Chinese Communist Party since 1999. Reports show China became the top destination for organ tourism in the early 2000s. Foreigners traveled to China for organs drawn in by the extremely short wait times. China has been matching patients with organs at speeds unimaginable in the West. In 2022, securing a heart for a patient in Wuhan, China took four days. In 2020, doctors presented a Chinese woman with four hearts to choose from in just 10 days. More contenders for the prize, a group of bipartisan lawmakers nominated six Hong Kongers for the Nobel Peace Prize. That's for their efforts to defend the city's democratic freedom from Beijing's attempts to undermine it.
The lawmakers include Congressman Chris Smith and Senator Jeff Merkley. They are the chair and co-chair of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. On the list of nominees, first off, Jimmy Lai, founder of pro-democracy newspaper Apple Daily. Lai is a prominent critic of Beijing. Hong Kong police raided the newspaper's headquarters, and it was later forced to shut down. Next, Cardinal Joseph Zen. He was convicted last year for failing to register a fund to help pro-democracy protesters. Then there's Joshua Wong. He's a prominent activist and testified on Capitol Hill over Hong Kong's pro-democracy protests in 2019. He was sentenced to three months behind bars for revealing information about a police officer who injured a pro-democracy protester. From civilian informants to facial recognition, a vast high-tech surveillance network embedded into every corner of China. But how does the system work? And can Beijing export its surveillance model overseas? Let's look at it in three different spheres, labor, society, and economics. According to an analysis published by the Foreign Affairs magazine, China's surveillance system relies heavily on manpower. Since the Chinese Communist Party took power in 1949, the regime has built a network of millions of informants. Many of them work for free while hiding among civilians as they are either enticed or coerced into serving the regime. But running a system on that scale requires a massive network, making it near impossible to export to other countries. Another factor is that unlike China, other states don't have as deep of a foothold into and control over their societies. But with China now battling a dwindling economy, the article adds that Beijing could have a harder time handling the cost of maintenance. In 2022, China spent over $200 billion on domestic security alone. That figure almost matches its total defense spending. Outside of budgetary concerns, the faltering economy is compounding another blow to the surveillance system, social discontent. Future recruitments could be more difficult as problems like rising unemployment spark anger among residents, who may be less eager to work for the regime. If the surveillance state fails, the article adds that the CCP will become more likely to use hard repression tactics against its people in the future. Money laundering, human trafficking and forced labor, all side products fueled by hundreds of illegal marijuana farms tied to Chinese crime rings on U.S. soil. The pressing question is, what's the true scale of these operations and is Beijing playing a role? To discuss, we sat down with Victor Avila, former ICE special agent and author of Agent Under Fire. A bipartisan group of lawmakers are seeking answers from the Justice Department over illegal Chinese marijuana farms in the states. How concerning is this? This is very concerning. I'm glad that it's making its way up there because uh, this illegal uh, marijuana growing operation in California is more than just the drug itself. It is another indicator of the power of the cartels and their presence in our country. Uh, through the help of China. Local law enforcement officials appear to have been having trouble busting these illegal sites. One police chief in Maine was saying that officers don't know where civil enforcement ends and criminal enforcement begins. Is that how the terrorist label would fit in, that that would actually turn it into a criminal enforcement? 
That's a great question because I understand that struggle, especially at the state and local level, um, where you're trying to identify who the bad guy is. And that's one of the, uh, you would think it's the easiest way, but because of the infiltration of this money, they, it is infiltrated in everyday businesses that you and I might attend. And, and so all of a sudden they'll turn these illicit funds into legitimate funds through whatever business you can imagine they have done it. And also when it comes to the Chinese uh, criminal groups, they're very, very secretive. And it's very difficult to sometimes get the information out of them, even after they've been under arrest. And so they're not only just sending uh, Chinese nationals illegally through here to the border, they've flown uh, balloons, spy balloons. Uh, uh, they're working with the cartels, with the fentanyl. Now with these marijuana growing operations, they're buying land throughout the entire country, especially in Texas where I am, hundreds of thousands of acres. Uh, through shell companies. And so this is a, a, a very, very uh, important concern that I think our uh, U.S. federal agencies and government should really pay close attention to because what's going to what's the end game here that China wants to do? This is what we need to find out. How can America defend itself, given all that we're seeing here? Well, that's an easy answer because it, it all, really a lot of it comes down to border security. When it comes to China, as we know, uh, I think they're trying to use every avenue possible to um, infiltrate us for uh, nefarious reasons. Um, I think it's a national security threat. That's the biggest. We know that China is not our, not our friend and our adversary. Uh, when I was in Mexico, I did a big Chinese smuggling case from China, Mexico to New York. Uh, and this was years ago, and so they've been trying to do this for a long time. In this case, in that case, it was for forced labor activity. So China is coming at us from every different direction. Victor Avila, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Next, China CDC recently admitted that infections caused by COVID variant JN.1 are on the rise. The agency estimated that the country will see more cases over the Lunar New Year holiday season. People from across China told NTD that the situation on the ground is far worse than state-run media reports suggest. Let's take a closer look. In China, various viruses have been surging in regions across the country. Chinese CDC's just released new data Tuesday. It claims the entire country saw just 134 COVID-19 cases in all of January. The figure comes as a stark contrast to local reports. Last weekend, a doctor in Jiangsu province wrote on social media that the region saw over 5,000 infected patients in just one day. This winter, virus infections have become more rampant, with many children unfortunately falling ill. Pediatric hospitals are overcrowded, parents are extremely worried. What's more concerning? Others told NTD that they witnessed many cases of sudden death in their areas in many cases, due to seemingly unknown causes. One of our colleagues' children reportedly died of sudden cardiac arrest. Another person in his 40s who died suddenly without any apparent illness. He was just a bit chubby. Now there are also cases of people who are usually in good health suddenly finding themselves unable to move their entire body except for their eyes. Despite state media reports saying otherwise, Locals maintain the death toll continues to climb. The death rate has noticeably increased. Among my relatives, two young guys died shortly after getting diagnosed with acute leukemia. 
My aunt who lives here lost two relatives in these few days. My wife told me another relative of hers died from a stroke. I'm a bus driver. Two of my colleagues just had heart attacks and passed away. Both were in their 40s or 50s. China's CDC admitted three days ago that COVID-19 variant JN.1 is still the dominating strain in China, adding that COVID infections mixed with other infectious diseases are expected to rise during the Lunar New Year holiday, starting February 10th. Coming up, Bloomberg released its global ranking for lithium battery suppliers. And for the first time, Canada beat out China for the number one spot. Concerns over buying solar panels from Chinese manufacturers back in the spotlight. That's following Washington's push for clean energy, with plans to install solar panels at over 30 federal facilities, including the Pentagon. A security analyst weighs in. And in some lighter news, communities across Asia are buzzing with excitement as they gear up for the Lunar New Year. Find out what this year's Chinese zodiac animal has in store for 2024. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The latest reshuffle in the energy field. Based on Bloomberg research on the global supply chain for lithium batteries, China has lost its top supplier spot for the first time. Who's taking its place? Canada and the U.S. claim two positions out of the top three as North America bolsters its own supply. According to an annual assessment from Bloomberg New Energy Finance, Canada has won out over China, becoming the world's top lithium battery supplier. The change is a big deal for the West, especially Washington. Lithium batteries are a critical and strategic export to the country. Washington and its allies have been seeking a more stable supplier amid national security concerns. A leading figure at Bloomberg NEF shed light on the issue, saying trade should be the main factor impacting the supply chain. Data shows 2024 global investment in this field is breaking records, totaling $135 billion. China is losing momentum due to its unstable trade situation. Beijing has pushed several sanctions to curb its lithium and rare earth exports, especially due to the rising political tensions between the communist regime and other countries, including Washington. On top of that, Bloomberg says it's also become foreign policy efforts in the U.S. and EU to continue to make it difficult for international companies to operate in major markets like China. The U.S. and the EU are weighing best strategies for de-risking with China to protect their own supply chains. Zooming out, the report also listed Canada's advantages, including raw material resources, strong integration with the U.S. auto industry, and clear policy commitments. The result came out Monday from a total of 30 countries counted. An American invention turned to a global Chinese monopoly. Solar energy plays a big role in the Biden administration's clean energy agenda. Yet the majority of the devices are made in China. Now, as the Pentagon and 30 other federal buildings look to go green, one question remains. Are the Chinese devices safe? NTD's Kevin Hogan sat down with Stephen Bryan, a leading expert in security strategy and technology at the Center for Security Policy, to find out. Well, my main concern is the waste of hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money for something that's not needed, uh, that won't help uh, the Pentagon in any respect. It already has a backup power system of its own, so it's independent of the power grid if it needs to be. Uh, The whole idea is ridiculous. 
And what about China? Well, most of the solar energy, solar panels and, and other devices that are connected with solar energy are made in China. So it's almost certain that if, the, if they actually go through with this ridiculous idea, that the stuff will come from China. There are numerous concerns of Chinese espionage in a numerous array of fields here. But if they are actually going to procure these solar panels, most of those materials would be made in China, and especially the components. Is that right? That's right. The lithium, anything lithium battery related, anything lithium related in the solar cells, all that would come from China directly or indirectly. I mean, you may have an American label on it, but it would come from China. Or you would have a Southeast Asian label on it, but it comes from China. They just assemble, make final assembly. And by, and by the way, uh, Mr. Biden vetoed legislation from Congress uh, two days ago uh, that would have stopped waivers for the Southeast Asian countries who are fronting Chinese stuff to the United States. In some lighter news, communities across Asia are preparing to welcome the Lunar New Year on February 10th. This year marks the Year of the Dragon on the Chinese Zodiac. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the latest. Lunar New Year is a time to gather with family and friends. Each year in the Chinese Zodiac is believed to bear the characteristics of its namesake animal. 2024 is the Year of the Dragon. The mythical creature is a symbol of good luck, strength, health and prosperity. The year of 2024 is the year of the dragon. In the Chinese world, the dragon is a symbol of auspiciousness. In the past, emperors were represented by the dragon. It is a symbol of protection and auspiciousness. The festivities include visiting temples and burning sticks of incense for traditional deities and bring good fortune for the months ahead. Visitors at this underwater-themed temple in northern Taiwan are already excited. The dragon represents the figure of everything, the most respected. In Taiwan, we say that the dragon soars high in the sky. It is a symbol of auspiciousness. This is why, in the past, emperors wore robes with dragons on them. This is how the dragon is known. The year of the dragon begins February 10th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up on NTD, stay tuned for America's Hope with Kelly Wright. Tonight, Kelly will have an in-depth conversation with Reggie Littlejohn, who since 2008 has been a leading voice in the battle to expose and oppose forced abortion, gender side, and child policy laws in China, as well as fighting for women's rights in Uganda. That's tonight at 10 p.m. after China in Focus. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.